Hello, Toronto! Welcome to the Take 6 podcast. I'm Hunter Surplus. On one line, we have Callum Wise. What's going on, everybody? And on the other line, we have Evan Keelhauer. As always, it's great to be back. Yes, sir. It sure is. Uh, If this happens to be your first time listening, the three of us form a blog and a podcast called Take 6 where basically we follow the four major sports teams in Toronto, that being the Blue Jays, the Raptors, the Leafs, and TFC. We're here to give our opinions, our takes, what we think about certain issues, anything really that goes on in in Toronto sports, we're here to cover and give you a fan's perspective. That's what we are. We are fans. We love sports. We aren't reporters. We're university students. And that's what we're here. That's what we're here to do. That's what Take Six essentially is. We have a couple of things up on our website uh, in terms of articles, and we've got a bunch of podcasts out here. But without further ado, on Sunday, a beautiful Sunday, football is back. Week three is really where I find that it starts ramping up. You know, the teams are buzzing. Keel, I know you watched a couple games today. How uh, how is every team looking? How is the NFL shaping out so far? It's it's looking like a good year to be honest. It's uh, I'm uh, I'm newish to the football game. I uh, I didn't watch a ton a couple of years ago, but I've I've slowly been getting more into it. But there were some exciting games, you know. Drew Brees was uh, got that win in overtime. There were some good games. The uh, it was good to see Carson Wentz finally back out there. He was looking in uh, you know tip top shape. It's always fun and good to see a guy come back from injury like that. Especially, you know, when he gets to miss out on, on his team winning the Super Bowl. Yeah, um, I, I loved Carson once last year, and it was a shame oh, yeah. to see him kind of not be back in uh, for the Super Bowl and, and some of the playoffs, but Nick Foles did a phenomenal job, and I like how coach, that their, whatever their coach is, I like how they have the faith in him to, to kind of bring him back right away and have him come out as a starter, even though Foles has had two good weeks to start off the season, and obviously uh had a phenomenal super bowl game also yeah. today what happened was uh one of the biggest moments in sports in golf uh tiger woods won his first pga tour tournament in 5 years so that's massive for the sport it's one of it's i guarantee you if you're listening to any other podcast radio station TV show, whatever it is, they're going to be talking about this Tiger Woods guy pulling out a big, big, big W. I saw something that said he hasn't won in over eighteen hundred days. That's insane. That's that's uh. That's 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 quite a, quite a bit of time. That's yeah. a couple of days for sure. Uh, yeah, it's more than a couple. That's that's right. That's that's Cleveland Browns esque right there. That's Cleveland Browns esque right there. And and speaking about them, they also won this week which which was pretty cool so i think this was a magical week for sports really there was some magic and we'll talk about that right now the jays pulled off a historic comeback on thursday i think they were down six in the ninth inning it was eight two against the tampa bay devil rays and i guess it's just the tampa bay rays now isn't it yeah yeah so the tampa bay rays they were down they were down six in the bottom of the ninth and they came back and won walk off home run it was riveting it was riveting the only problem that i have with it is the 
very few amount of people that were in the stadium to actually watch the game. I understand they're down yeah. six in the ninth. I get that. Like I don't know. I probably would have stayed. I like stay until the end of end of baseball games, hockey games, whatever it is. But I mean, there was nobody there to watch that. There was nobody. Yeah, I mean, if I had the, the chance, I definitely would have been there. I was watching it at home. But uh, that was insane. I remember right as it happened, I texted our, our group chat, the take sick, and I was just like, oh, my God. That was insanity. That was just, I mean, it doesn't take away on how bad we are this season. Like, that, <laughs> a couple of home runs in a row, finally. But I'm not taking away from what we did. That was that was an amazing inning that we did. But the, and like you said, there's some problems. Obviously, the fact we gave up eight runs already was just terrible. We gave up five runs in the seventh, which was only two less than what we got in the ninth. <laughs> but I mean, just this guy Rowdy. Let me just bring him up. Like he's just an amazing hitter. He's such a good hitter. I'm not, was it yesterday? He had a double and a home run in, the, in his first two at bats, which is insanity. Yeah, like, has but the guy even hit a single yet? Like, has he hit his single? <laughs> I don't think so. This guy's, uh, this guy's slugging percentage must be like 4,000. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's, he's going to be one of the good, he's going to be one of our best hitters if he keeps this up. Like, this is, this is amazing. I hope so. I, I really hope so, but so I, what I'm going to do is I'm going to read out the, uh, I'm going to read out the kind of play by play for that for that ninth inning, and it's pretty it's pretty impressive. So Smith, first batter of the inning, comes up and hits a double. Tellez, the guy that we just brought up, he comes up next, typical fashion, hits a double. Smith scores. Davis gets up, hit by pitch. So now there's a man on first and second. Reese McGuire came in and pinch hit for Aldemus Diaz. He struck out. Danny Jansen, the young guy, came in, hit a three-run shot. Urania came up to bat, struck out. Morales came in to hit for Anthony Alford and hit a hit a single. And then Guriel Jr. hit a two-run home run. Then Justin Smoke comes up, wins the game with a walk-off home run on the first pitch, team leading 25th. That's nuts. That's nuts. Guess who was sitting in class while all this was happening? <laughs> <laughs> phone, phone just absolutely blowing up. Can't jack it. I was, oh, yeah, was so yeah. It's just, so a, it's just burning a. It's just burning a a hole in the pocket there. It's awful. <laughs> yeah. I hate when that happens. <laughs> You just feel all the buzz. You're like, "What is happening? What could, yeah, like, like who?" The Jays, and you're like, "There's no way that the Jays. We're just getting destroyed right now. We're losing 16 nothing. Literally, that's what you thought. That's exactly. Yeah, yeah that's, that's exactly what I thought. <laughs> we're winning nine eight. Like, what? What happened? Yeah, it was ridiculous. I got messages from you boys freaking out. Like a million messages from the score, texts from other people <laughs> asking if I caught the game. I was like, "Oh my god, what the hell happened?" Yeah, and this is cool because it was it tied the team's biggest ninth inning comeback ever, which is kind of shocking. Yep. Like, I didn't even know that the Jays had ever come back from six in the ninth inning. Like, that's not something that you normally do. You know what I mean? That's, like, that's not easy to do. No, not not in the slightest bit. And it's kind of cool because the Rays. I don't like if you guys have been watching the like the wild card race and whatnot. The Rays have been kind of surging back. You know, they've kind of been surging into a 
like potentially for a wild card position. They had one. Not so much anymore. Not so, no, and not so much anymore. But in September, they had won a league yeah. high fourteen games, which is nuts. Yeah, they're eighty five. They're eighty five and sixty seven currently. Yeah, which is a very good for record. A team that dropped all their players. Yeah, the dude, that's a very. They didn't even, like. I remember once they traded Chris Archer, they didn't have a starting pitcher on their roster. Good for them. Yeah, Snell. Snell's been absolutely outstanding, but other than that, they're not much of a team. Well, evidently they are. Well, they are now. Evidently they are. They've always, you know what? This is a team that is kind of always decent. You know what I mean? They're always always okay. They're always right around five hundred. Exactly. Exactly. They're They're always a tough team to play. No, exactly. They're not the Orioles. They're not the Jays, and. It's kind of a good thing. It it just shows how tough this uh this division is when a team that we always kind of consider to be one of the worst teams is <laughs> like twenty games over five hundred right now. Yep. Now we're gonna hop over to the ice. The Leafs are three and zero right now. I don't know if you guys have been watching much of the preseason, but they are playing very good. John Tavares has not missed a beat. He looks even better on the Leafs. He has three goals in two games that he's played. It's absolutely insane how he how good he looks and how good Matthews looks, as along with all the other guys. But those two really stand out for me, and I'm sure most of the other people on planet Earth. But sure. we want to get into what the Leafs power play unit is going to look like in the regular season. So they kind of came out and hinted at what the power play unit will look like. And I don't know if you guys saw this, but it's Matthews, Tavares, Marner, Kadri, and Morgan Riley. That literally gives me goosebumps. That's nuts. <laughs> like, they already had the second best power play in the league last year, like just a hair behind Pittsburgh. Yeah, a couple percentage points behind Pittsburgh. Yeah, yeah. Pittsburgh was at 26%. And the Leafs were sitting at 25 like. And then you add one of the best players in the league onto that power play. Like, oh my gosh. Like, I'm getting goosebumps just thinking about, you know, what they're going to do to goalies and, and those poor penalty killers. It's not going to be fun, fun, you know, for the other teams to watch. But. No, not at all. And they, oh, yeah. they, they asked Matthews if, uh, some reporter asked Matthews if he thought it was going to be a problem. How is this going to be a problem? Yeah, do they even need a second power play unit at this point? <laughs> Just run the one line. Yeah, I don't think like I don't even think they're ever gonna get to the second unit. No. You know no, what? I, like pro- probably not. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, I don't even think they're gonna get to that second unit. But who do we think is gonna be on that back end with Riley? Because you know Riley's gonna be a defenseman. Do you think it's gonna be Marner or Matthews out there on the back I, end? Uh, um, I don't know. I because I remember on the power play last year, like Austin or uh, Tavares and Marner. They kind of sit around the same spot, like towards like the side of the net, kind of thing. Yeah. Um. So like, if, if you know, probably John John Tavares is gonna get you know what he wants. So like, I could see them putting uh, Marner up on the uh, up on the line with with Riley to help felicitate everything. That's like what that. I'm thinking too, because you know Marner has such good vision, and oh, if you have if you have Tavares and Matthews down to be the goal scorers. 
you're going to score a lot of goals on that power play and then throw throw Kadri down in the corners if you have to dump it in or whatever it is. And exactly. Kadri, Kadri, Kadri even just like right in front of the net being the pest that he is. I think mm-hmm. they're I think they're in a good spot. And I know Marner doesn't necessarily have the shot of Matthews. But, or Tavares. Or Tavares, yeah, or Tavares. But I think if he's up top kind of running the power play and being like yeah. the, the kind of quarterback for that power play... He doesn't need to be ripping bombs from the point. Like no, he can slide it out. No, he's gonna. He's just gonna be opening up the ice. Hundred percent, hundred. And even then, even if you look at that second unit, like the potential for that second unit, Nylander if he gets signed, Marlowe, Hyman or Connor Brown, and then you have Gardner on the point with uh, Connor Carrick or or uh, maybe even Dermot. Dermot, yeah, that's who I was trying to say. Dermot, like that. Would, those are two outstanding power play lines, and you probably won't need a third most of the time, no, unless you're on like a five minute. But how often does that really happen? And again, with you, like how much how much play time is the second power play unit really going to exactly get? exactly? Like I don't know if they're ever going to get it out of the end of the like out of the offensive end for these guys. So I I really like how that power play unit's going to be looking, and I think that. Just like you said, they're probably going to end up in first in in power play percentage this year, and teams are going to be scared to even do anything to get these yeah. guys on the power play. So coach is going to be screaming, "No stupid penalties! No hitting, boys! Like the boys might no. not get hit at all. Like no stick work, whatever it is. These guys are going to be these guys are going to be totally fine, I think this year, and I like it. I really do. Uh, another thing that happened this week was. DeMar DeRozan went on Serge Ibaka's, I don't, I don't, I don't know the name of the show, but it's some some cooking show with Serge Ibaka, where Ibaka cooks up some sort of dish for whoever's on it, and he cooked up some worm dish, said it was fried chicken, but that's not really what I, that's not what we're here to talk about. The big thing that happened in that is Demar said that he's gonna drop fifty on the Raptors this year and maybe he meant a combined 50 points in the two games that they're going to play against each other but he said it nonetheless do you think he'll be able to get 50 in a in a game against us I mean he's he's definitely got the, the, the potential to do it man he's got pop now as a coach he's got he's definitely got the fire to do it you know he wants to score 50 against us because he does not like the management here. That's for sure. I could, and then obviously when you're playing against your boys, you want to win. You want to you want to show off, right? Like you want to beat them. You don't want to lose to your boys. Like and he knows everyone on the Raptors. So I mean, fifty is a big number. Like, fifty a is a massive number. number. And I mean, I want like I, I don't know. It's really season game. I mean, if he, if he can do it, all power to him, man. He's a legend here in Toronto. The fans would love to see it. I would, I would love to see it because if not during the playoffs, it's a regular season game. We'll still probably beat them. Yeah, I think, I think if he does it, it's got to be at home. It's got to be at home. Yeah, it'll be in like Toronto. San Antonio or in Toronto? I, in Toronto is what I mean. Sorry. Yeah, in yeah, Toronto. Uh, yeah, no. That's right. Like, the fans here will still have his back. Everyone loves him still. I think the funniest part. Like, Oh yeah, no. I was just gonna. Uh, I think the funniest part of that episode was when uh, 
Ibaka was trying to tell him how much, you know, the fans love him here. And DeRozan just looks at him and goes like, man, I'm not even on the team and they love me more than you. Like, yeah. You don't have to remind me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, sorry, Serge. I wish you were gone. Sorry, Serge. <laughs> I wish you were 2012, Serge. Yeah. He's getting us Butler, so. Uh, oh, yeah. Okay, <laughs> boys. Butler and CJ. Boys, let's, so let's get into this, for real. I think, I don't think this is going to happen. I'm going to put this out there right at the beginning. I don't think it's going to happen. I don't think Masai is going to. It could happen gonna, for something stupid. It could happen for something stupid. I don't, yeah, I don't think Masai is going to go out and make this play maybe he will but I really don't think he is because if he does we're probably gonna have to give away a guy like OG Ananobi Pascal Siakam and on top of that probably either Lowry or Ibaka or JV or someone someone like that and I think the the reason you'd want to get a guy like Jimmy Butler is to kind of create that like big three per se, right? And I don't think you have a big three without Lowry. And like, I wouldn't even say that JV's in a big three. I'm sorry, but like. If, if we could get Jimmy Butler for Serge Ibaka and Powell, that would be best case. Okay, but then that would also that would also make the Timberwolves the worst managed organization in the entire league. Yeah, well, that's what we hope for. Right? Yeah, no, yeah, you're right. <laughs> You're right, but also, I mean, because if you do that, that means the rebuild is absolutely done. It's done for. Like, there's not going to be a rebuild after that. You're going to be in the. But you're going to be lottery pick is, for. But Powell is not like that guy that we have on the bench that just runs. Like, I don't oh no, no, no! I'm, I'm talking about them. like I'm not talking about the trade that that you just that you just brought up. I'm talking about probably like what they're asking oh. for, what they're okay, asking yeah. for. Because no, if, if they got rid of one of our best, which is pretty much our whole bench. They already got rid of one. They already got rid of Portal. And I don't think that we could survive losing another one. Because the bench is what got us to that top spot. It wasn't it wasn't our starting starting lineup, that's for sure. Because the only ones who were doing anything, it was uh, JV and DeRozan. Because Lowry is the most inconsistent three-point shooter ever. Even though people put him in the three-point contest for some reason, he hits one out of like 20. Embarrasses himself. Yeah. I don't know. If if I could, like, we didn't think that Masai Yuri would get rid of DeRozan, and he did it. So we don't know what this guy's thinking right now. Yeah, and I think this guy apparently, all you know, he he seems to have something up his sleeve at all times. We don't know what's going through Masai's head. I feel like he is under a lot of pressure right now because of the past few years in regards to like the playoffs and stuff. But I don't know if this really this trade really puts us over the top in terms of beating the warriors like realistically i don't think even if we get jimmy butler it like best case like even if you trade ibaka and and powell for this guy i don't think that really puts us over the top against the warriors maybe gets us to the finals and we lose to the warriors in the finals but then the next five Um, years are just going to be grim realistically yeah losing because Butler would only sign for a year. Probably. Probably, right? And, Butler, and like, we don't even know what Kawhi's going to do. We don't even know what Kawhi's going to do realistically, right? Like, if if we knew that Kawhi was coming back, yes, make this play. Do it. But when all signs are pointing to Kawhi Leonard leaving, I'd, or even no signs, like no signs pointing to him staying, yeah. 
is in like you more so. Make sure, right? You gotta make sure you get him back. Exactly. And that's that's priority that's number one. Do. I don't care about this. I don't care about this Jimmy Butler cat. Yes, he's sick. Yes, he's a top ten player, top fifteen player in the league. But I don't think you give up a guy like Kawhi Leonard or you give up one of our young core pieces to get him just to make our team successful, more successful for one year because the East is weak enough that you can get you can get by with one star and make it to the make it to the conference finals and even the finals. I really I really do believe that. But our only real challenge is Boston. That's it, right? And and Jimmy I mean, yeah, Jimmy Butler could potentially go to the Sixers, could potentially go, you know, to X amount of places. But I don't think that they're they're even really I like even then I don't think Philly's gonna gonna beat us if if they have Jimmy Butler. I don't think bot like Boston gets better with Jimmy Butler, but then they'll have to give away some of their bench players and some of their bench players yeah, are gonna no, play Boston, less minutes. Boston would do it because they already have their players. Like they almost went to the finals without Kyrie and Gordon Hayward. Exactly. Like I don't think it makes sense for Boston to do yeah. it. I really don't because they're good enough already. But in terms of like giving them the best chance to beat the Warriors, maybe they do it. Maybe they do it. But I, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't think I don't. I wouldn't hate it if the Raptors did it. I just wouldn't necessarily be pleased because we'd have to go through irrelevancy for four or five years afterwards because I'm sure Jimmy Butler wouldn't sign and I'm sure Kawhi Leonard won't sign if we get another star here. What scares, you know, what scares me is if we end up with Jimmy Butler and then we lose uh, both Kawhi and Butler to the Clippers in the offseason. Yeah, like what do we do then, right? What do we do then? Build that chemistry and then gone. Yep. It's a, it's a scary thing to think about, boys. Like, the positive thinking, Kawhi's going to resign. Yeah. He, I mean, hey, he bought a house here. He bought a house here already, boys. That means everything. He's settling down. Yeah, hopefully. I doubt it. But also, I don't know if you guys have heard this, but Danny Green has said that he thinks that Kawhi Leonard's going to love Toronto. He's going to yeah. fall in love with the city. I hope he's right. I hope he's right, too. Who doesn't? Who doesn't hope he's right? Realistically, who <laughs> doesn't? Fans. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> Yeah, so I think that's it on on Demar and Ibaka and Kawhi and all the Raptors kind of stuff, right? I didn't miss anything. Nope. Nope. We're all good. All right, we'll hop. Uh, we'll hop over to the pitch. TFC. I'm pretty sure are are out of playoff contention. I don't think mathematically they're out, but they're out. We'll get Cal to talk about how they lost to the Tigres in the in the Campions Cup the champions cup in in english but uh <laughs> they lost to the mexican champions the the tigres the tigers and it was it wasn't a pretty game right Kyle? oh this 3-1 is is being nice to toronto that was that was terrible and it wasn't sold out this was against for a cup i mean it wasn't an important cup they just Pretty much made this out of thin air. The winner. Yeah, this is the first. This is the first year of it, right? The first year. Yeah. Yeah. And it's the winners of the Mexican League versus the winners of the MLS. And we lost three one, and 
to be honest, I mean, we beat these guys in the Conga Cup last season. We beat them 2-1 at home and then 3-2 in Mexico, which is amazing. And then we lost to a much worse team in the finals. So the fact that we already beat this team just proves what, I mean, it just our season has just gone downhill. I mean, it was downhill and it looked up and me and Hunter made some claims saying that we should be fine. And then, <laughs> How dumb do we look now, eh? <laughs> and then they just, oh my God, it's just loss after loss now. They just lost to New York 2 nothing, And that just puts the cherry on top. Like we're almost, like Hunter said, we're done, but we're not done. There's still a chance if everyone loses and we win. But that's just us reaching reaching for the stars. So like, we're not going to get that. We're not going to... If anything, we're probably going to lose the rest of our games. Just to, just from watching TFC, they're done after this season. And a lot of players are probably going to leave. Giovinco's contract is, is going to be up, I'm pretty sure. And there, there's been talks of not re-signing him and just going for someone else. Yeah. That's kind of absurd. I know, right? Like we, <laughs> People forget, we were the best team in MLS history last year. I mean, like, we were just, we were tired at the beginning of the season, then we tired ourselves out going for, like, just playing so hard, trying to get back. We did, and then, you know, so at the end of the season, everyone's tired again. So, I mean, we got the Conquer Cup again next year because we won the Canadian Cup. So, I'm just going to hope that we do something in there again. But it, it seems that we're, that TFC is done for this season. I'm gonna make that claim just so we'll be wrong again. TFC is done. Yeah, we're yeah. Wrong. You're just gonna jinx it, eh? TFC is the worst team in the MLS. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> there it is. Uh, yeah, I mean, I know Giovinco has been kind of one of the best players in MLS history, really, right? And I think that's just because he's been here for so long, and he kind of came over when he was in his prime, and not many really good, talented players have done that. More are starting to do it now, but he was kind of the the pioneer for that. And I, I'd hate to see him leave, and I'd hate to see this team get broken up because when they're good, they really are talented, and they really, they really do have a good fan base in in the city, right? Like, I I've been to a couple games, and they're so much fun. Like even regular season games feel like playoff games because these guys are doing their chants, like it's like it's they do it every morning kind of thing. Like it's almost like it's their national anthem at at middle school, right? Like they're always doing it. They're they're waving those TFC scarves around and stuff, and it's just phenomenal. There's that smoke that happens after every goal. Like it's nuts. It's a it's a wonderful environment. I'd hate to see this team kind of lose that and lose all those not necessarily lose those fans but we know how if anything we know how fans in toronto are and we're seeing that right? exactly and we're seeing that with the jays right now how yep. no one's we really going to leafs. games we saw it with the leafs well leafs games always sell out because they're corporate kind of things but yeah no but like i'm talking about when they started to do well again yeah yeah no everybody's there. going or leafs fans there's everyone coming out saying that they're leaving. Like, the, right now, the TFC attendance is super low. Yeah, like, they're, they're not selling out games. It's not that big of a stadium. And they were, like, they were selling out games earlier this year. It's just kind of ugly. But it's I guess... It's not a bum team, though. 
Yeah, no, absolutely. I totally agree. Um, but I'm just, you know, Toronto's especially tough on their team. So I think, I think that if they can kind of get something together for next season, they'll be, they'll be in a, in a, in a good spot and hopefully kind of, you know, doing their thing again and, and having the fans back out there being rowdy, doing what they do. So we're going to hop into the other section right now. Uh, we've got a couple things here. Um, they're a little obscure. I'm not going to lie. They're a little obscure. So the first topic here is the, the 2023 NBA draft class. This this site, this blog, this whatever, um, very reputable. Uh, coast to coast, they came out and ranked a Canadian kid. He's in seventh grade. Uh, 6'5", by the way, in seventh grade. Sounds like Keel. That's absolutely like Keel. Sounds like Keel. <laughs> um, my girls for till later, boy. <laughs> yeah, whatever. Whatever. <laughs> but so this Canadian, Elijah Fisher, is ranked number one in that 2023 draft class. And I know that doesn't really mean all that much because obviously. Isn't that, like you said before, it's in the uh, LeBron James Jr. Yeah. He's also in that draft class. Yeah, he's, he's like 20 something spots ahead of LeBron James Jr. Which, I mean, I'm I'm sure LeBron James Jr. is going to develop a little more. He's got the help of guys like LeBron James <laughs> to kind of help him develop and, and help him train and help him kind of hone his skills and all that kind of stuff. And, I mean, it looks good on Canada, right? Like, we're producing a lot better talent nowadays. The Andrew Wiggins. Barrett. <laughs> uh, pardon me? Barrett, yeah, Barrett, Andrew Wiggins, all these guys like are coming out of the, the, these Canadian systems, and it looks really good. Like, I love the fact that you know, like these these bigger name guys are getting getting noticed by these these scouting these scouting things, and it's just it's a good look for Canada. I don't know I don't know where he's from in Canada, but it's I like it. I like it a lot. And then our second topic are some NBA rule changes. And I think the one that's highlighted the most in this one is that after an offensive rebound, instead of resetting the shot clock to 24, they're going to set it back to 14 instead. So that's kind of, that's what you get when you get fouled. Like if you get fouled under 14 seconds, they reset the clock back up to 14. Unless like, obviously unless it's shooting foul and you get your, your free throws, but it's the same thing, and I don't know how... I have mixed feelings on it. I don't know how I feel about it completely yet because I think players should get... Like, I think teams should get rewarded for a, you know, an offensive rebound. Like, if I get an offensive rebound, it's going to be hard to, to set up another play in 14 seconds compared to 24, right? Like, in case I can't go up with the ball or whatever. So I think teams should be rewarded with it. That's my only issue with it. But I kind of... Say it. Go ahead. Yeah, I feel like, yeah, you're right for the... During the entire game, but when it gets to the end, when, like, people are drawn out the the shot clock and they shoot and they get an offensive rebound, that's another 24 seconds that you get. But don't... But the guy worked so hard to get that rebound. Like, that's just... That's part of the game, right? I think... I think this is uh, trying to go after time wasting, which is I think is a good thing because 
I hate I hate time wasting in any sport. It's just so boring to watch. Yeah, especially but, in a professional league. Yeah, I get what you like. I get. I understand. I see where they're coming from when they do it, and I get what you're saying. It's just I think that, like these guys, what's gonna be the real like obviously like getting an offensive rebound is still gonna be as good, but I think it's gonna cause more people to or like less you know um, like crashing of the boards at the end of games because it's only going to be a 14-second window that they can get another shot off, so they won't get as good of scoring chances if they do get the offensive rebound. And then some of the bigs are just going to head back and stay down on defense instead of kind of crashing the boards like you would see if they had 24 seconds. I don't know if that's going to be true. I don't know if that's going to be the case. But that's kind of what I I might see happening. But I, I get what they're doing it for. Like Nobody likes time wasting in any sport. But I think if that's what they were going after, maybe less intentional fouls, less timeouts in the last two minutes might have might have worked a little bit better. Yeah, I mean, obviously we're going to have to see during the season. We're going to have to see how it plays out. We can't say anything until we actually watch it. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. Game, real game time. And uh, you want to just go over the two other ones? The simplification of the clear path foul rule and the expanded definition of a hostile act for replay purposes, which means what it takes to trigger a, a replay, like the refs going over and reviewing it. Yeah, see, I think, so that second one, the hostile act one, like what are these grounds going to be now that you can call a replay? Because like part of... No, okay, no, it's not It's not for a replay. It's for like hostile acts, meaning like ejections or people like fighting. Like, you know, when Curry threw his mouth guard at yeah. the referee? That's what it means by hostile acts. Like, it's ta- not talking specifically all the stuff in game, like the charging call for LeBron. It's talking mainly for like fights, referees, or like coaches yelling at refs, that kind of stuff. Okay. It's expanded well, that, yeah, it's expanded that for the refs to go back into the replay to see if it's enough to eject them. Okay, that's kind of, I don't like that one bit. I don't yeah, like that one that's bit. Just, that's just. just yeah, yeah, no, I don't like, I think, play. I think That's this is going to, yeah, I think this is kind of going to be, like, this might even be more detrimental to the player's relationship with the refs than before. Oh, yeah. I think it might cool situations down a little bit, but I think it's going to be detrimental to the, the relationship with, between players and refs. Because it's going to be, like, such a sweat now to get thrown out. Like, the yelling at refs was not okay. Like, I don't agree with players screaming at refs, like, just getting really hostile towards them, but then I know for a fact that some referees are going to abuse this rule and try to get people thrown out. Like, yeah, you because... know that guy who threw out LeBron is going to try to use this because <laughs> you don't throw LeBron because obviously, I mean, yeah, he, he whined a bit, but I don't think LeBron has ever been like super hostile towards anyone. Yeah, and I think this, like, I th- I think now it kind of gives the refs grounds to look for something to throw somebody out like you don't you don't ever want to throw somebody out of a game that's 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 kind of my thing right like you don't yeah like you don't ever want to throw somebody out of the game unless you really need to and if you have to go back and like if you have to go back think about whether he needs to like if you have a doubt that he needs to be thrown out don't throw him out like unless unless somebody gets socked in the face and you didn't see it that's what i mean like 
if, it, if it's not a fight, don't review it. Like exactly, that's the thing, right? Like if somebody's yelling at you, how are you going to review somebody yelling at a ref? That doesn't make sense to me. Like, are you, are you, is there going to be a professional mouth, like a professional mouth reader? See <laughs> what he was saying to the ref. Yeah, is that what it's gonna like? Is that what it's gonna have to be? Are people gonna have to start speaking sign language to these refs so that people can actually review what they're saying? Yeah, that's, that's what I. That's dumb. yeah. So that's a bit off for me. I don't know if I like that. I don't know if I like that. And then what was the other one, Kyle? Sorry. Simplification of the clear path foul rule. I like that. I like I that. Think, isn't that charging? No, the clear path foul. So like, if somebody's um on route to the to the hoop and they have a clear path to the basket and then they get fouled, it's like a it's kind of like a flagrant foul. They don't call it a flagrant, but you get the. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. When like when they're going for a layup and they're on a breakaway and then. Uh, yeah. And somebody someone comes from behind them. Yeah, exactly. So I think I, yeah. I like that because they are, uh, I don't like simplification of the rule. That's just, it's yeah, still going to. I'll tell you what it says. I'll tell you what it says. Yeah. The clear path foul is now defined as a personal foul against any offensive player during his team's transition scoring opportunity in the following circumstances. The ball is ahead of the tip of the circle of, in the backcourt. No defender is ahead of the offensive player with the transition scoring opportunity the player with the transition scoring opportunity is in control of the ball or a pass has been thrown to him and if the if the foul deprives his team an opportunity to score okay i like that i think that's a i think that's a pretty important rule to have See, in like place. It's, just, it's just simplificate like it's not changing anything it's, it's not yet specifically what is and what isn't a clear path foul yeah, I don't know if that is really going to change all that much just because it's still going to be at the ref's discretion. Like, there's yep. still going to be some refs who aren't going to call it properly. There's still going to be some refs who won't understand the, the ruling. So I don't know if that will change all that much, but I do like that. I like the – because I know, I know people do that, like the whole like hack-a-shack type things, and, and sometimes that happens when there's a clear path to a basket, and I I, I appreciate the effort that the, that the NBA is okay, taking. Okay, well, what you're just saying, actually – uh, here it says, uh, as a part of the clear path foul rule simplification, referees will no longer need to make judgment calls as to whether or not the defender was between or had the opportunity to be between the offensive player with the transition scoring opportunity and the basket. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. yeah so, I guess, yeah, it will help. I think it will help. I hope I so. Think this was a good change. I hope so. Yeah, I think all of them are fairly decent changes. I don't know the the shot clock one is Except kind for of the hustle act one. I don't agree with that one. Yeah, yeah, it's like it depends on the circumstance though. I mean, it like if you're gonna like if you're gonna replay it for something stupid like someone yelling at you or or like if you go yeah, back and but... like if you go back and review something and you notice that something else happened that someone was kind of like disrespecting your your authority as a ref and and then you throw someone out that's kind of bs but if they're if they use it properly which i mean realistically is not going to happen but if they use it properly i think that it's a decent addition to the game because maybe it'll keep players more safe like i don't know yeah, i guess but like I, I especially like they were reviewing fights that's that was already in the game they already reviewed fights when they happen to see who they throw out i mean for the stuff like, remember what happened last year with Vince Carter when, uh, I forget who it was, but he went up for a layup and Vince Carter ducked so he fell over and he could have broken his back? Yeah. Like, 
I mean, obviously Vince Carter didn't mean to because he was crying after. Like, he he felt so bad. Yeah. And but that could be considered a hostile act. But I still think like I still think that's going to be a judgment. Like regardless, it's still going to be a judgment call, right? So I think it should kind of just be like how you because a a replay and what happens at full speed, they're so like something at yeah. full speed is going to look so much different than something slow motion or, or close up or whatever. And so I don't think it'll be easier really to make a call. I think you're right. Yeah. I don't know if I like this one either. I don't know if I like this one either, Cal. Yeah. I mean, obviously we're going to have to see all of this in real time play, but just from like the shot clock one, that one I'm, I'm iffy about. Like, I don't know yet. I, it could be good. It could be bad. The simplification rule feel more so that it's going to be good for the game because it's not like a huge change it's just telling specifically what is and what cannot be a a clear path foul and then the hostile act replay one could definitely be bad but you never know it could it could help out we'll have to see i guess we'll yeah we'll just have to see we we can we can update our thoughts on this halfway through the season or something but i think that's it for today I think we're going to do another podcast at some point during the week just because the Kawhi, well, the Raptors Media Day is on Monday and this is the first time Kawhi Leonard will be speaking. So, yeah. Yeah. So, I think we're going to I think we're going to do a a, uh, a podcast, a little rundown of that, how we feel about what he says, if anything, what Masai says. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, like hopefully he says something um, that we can talk about here. We're going to do something like that either Tuesday or Wednesday, probably. And then, you know, we'll, we'll see you guys again next week. Uh, follow us on Twitter at take underscore six. Follow us on Facebook or like our page on Facebook, Take Six. We're on uh, we're on SoundCloud now, Take Six. Go to our website, give us some love, tell your friends, tell your family, tell us. We love we love hearing about it. I actually one of the funnier things actually this weekend. So I was uh, up at Guelph Hoco, and um, that's that's homecoming for you for you people who who don't know what that means. So I was up at Guelph Homecoming and. I had like four or five people come up and say, "Hey, we listen to your podcast," and that felt awesome. It really felt it felt really good. So, um, people, let us know that you're listening. Let us know that you like it or you don't like it. Let us know we can change. All of us feel very uh, grateful that you guys listen, that you guys read our stuff, whatever it is. So please keep on doing it. Um, keep sharing it. We, we appreciate the love, the feedback, whatever you guys are giving us. So from all of us at Take Sex, I'm Hunter, Callum, and Keeler here. Thanks for talking to us. And of course, of course. And uh, yeah, we're out. My nigga Jibba, he